I don't know how how well that's going to come across. The all new sober. <laughs> sober. Well, we, I mean, we never really drank to get drunk. Like we just kind of like had yeah, all a new drink. temporarily sober. <laughs> Sip it and rip it. These Zoas are really good. I'm though. sipping the water. He's sipping a Zoa. Yeah. Mm. So I guess you could talk about why you're sipping a water. Yeah. Um, I'm going to make an attempt to do 75 hard again, but more than anything, more than 75 hard, I'm, I would like to finish it. Don't get me wrong, but really I'm um, trying to kick uh, some food addiction problems. So um, back to my gallon of water a day, all the reading and stuff you're supposed to do on 75 hard done my cardio. All, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been the food that's tripped me up. So you know, I get to restart it in the morning, but no alcohol, all that stuff. Um, and usually like people will, will like mix alcohol and food. So like you drink some alcohol, you're feeling yeah. good. You start getting uh, your inhibitions change a little yeah, bit. And then you're, you're like, I can, fuck your dad up. I can door dash some Taco yep. Bell. Like, you know, you just start thinking about stuff like that, that's especially if you're drinking a good bit. We uh we had Joe on last week, Joe Sullivan, and we deleted the audio somehow. Um, yeah, but that was very uh, one of the things we talked about was alcohol in and of itself is not great for lifting, but even worse for at lifting and then your athleticism and then really, especially if you're losing weight, is all the things that happen in the periphery of alcohol, which is that lowering of inhibitions. Where you're more likely to sleep late, feel like shit the next day. You're more likely to overeat while you are drunk. Mm-hmm. There's millions of things that go around, go along with just getting drunk. Along, apart from the actual damaging things about alcohol. Mm-hmm. It has this huge fucking scope of, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean, of like consequences. Yeah. Like that it's kind of surprising that I would like, I would like to be over that and through it. And Yeah, and he also mentioned like the difference between having one drink a night and having seven drinks one night. Yeah. It's it's exactly the same on your body. Like the way your, your body handles it and processes it is exactly the same. So it's like, fuck, like yeah. you, you, if you're going to do it, you might as well just save it up and binge drink one night. <laughs> but you know, like even, even outside of my personal experience, like having weight loss clients, like do perfect all week, but they don't want to give up the party at party life or the party atmosphere. They go out with their friends on Friday or Saturday night, sometimes Friday and Saturday night. Mm-hmm. They get drunk, they eat Taco Bell, whatever that late night meal is, stop off at Waffle House on the way home from the club, whatever it may be. And, you know, you've... You're less... Steffi Cohen put it in a very, very simple terms. If you're allotted 2,000 calories a day and you eat perfect six of seven days, but on the seventh day you eat 4,000, you still busted your budget. Yeah. Now, maybe it's okay if you eat... 1800 know you're going to do that and you eat 1800 through the week instead of your 2000 and then mm-hmm. use that thousand calories you saved up for a 3000 calorie day on the weekend maybe that's fine but most people don't do that most people mm. say i've done good five or six days of this week so i'm, I'm going to go ham yeah and you're still busting budget mm-hmm. and maybe maybe you're not busting as bad as you were prior to eating healthy but you're still and you're you're I'm, still spending more than you're you've been allotted so and i mean if if you have somehow have the mental fortitude to get drunk and then say, I'm going to eat a salad with some grilled chicken on it and no dressing power to you, man, Like, <laughs> go for it. But it's, most of us aren't going to do that. Most yeah. of us are going to opt for the highly palatable, mm-hmm. tasty 
Not to mention thinking about just what time of the day you're going to be doing that. What's mm-hmm. open? Right. Fast food and Waffle House. Yeah. Like I said, that's, like, that's, that's your option. Waffle um, House doesn't have salads, unfortunately. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, they might have a side dinner salad or something, but I guarantee you it's not like... It's probably ideal. trash. Yeah. It's probably garbage. <laughs> probably not the best. Uh, I like Waffle House, by the way. Um, I mean, I'm not eating no, salads when I go to Waffle House. I was about to say, not knocking <laughs> Waffle House, but I could not imagine going to Waffle House and being like, yes, I'd like <laughs> oh, a Caesar right. salad. Like, right, yeah. no, like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. going to be trash. They probably just have, like, brown lettuce from the garbage can that they throw on it. It's like, this was on a burger that somebody dumped in the garbage. <laughs> it is what it is. The tomato, yeah. Out, out on that. But, uh, and I, but yeah, that's why I, I'm doing it. I'm not really doing it for I mean, I had, a like, a drink or two this week, but I'm kind of just trying to limit it. And I don't want to be a bad influence on you. Thank so you. we're gonna we're going to try and... Sip something alternative for a little while, and yep, yep. Uh, I think Joe will be proud when he comes back. He is coming <laughs> back, by the way, uh, because he is one of the nicest dudes ever. To help us undo what we've done, <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> to it was help a- us undo what we've undid. <laughs> yeah, are doing. <laughs> it was man that that's still like I was just like it happened. We had such a great conversation with him. Like it was so cool and. He was so like fun to talk to and very informative and we got it all done. And like, we talked a little bit after and then like we shut everything off and I looked at the the computer and I was looking at Joe's video and there was no audio. And I was like, you gotta be kidding. (laughs) And I knew, I knew like, cause I had run into that problem before back when I used to do YouTube videos, like gaming YouTube videos. I was like, there would be times where audio would not capture from my screen capture. And I was like, I knew exactly what happened. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This, this is just the worst thing possible. And I was, I was probably down for about three hours, like just mentally, just like, I, I'm going to lay on the couch and I'm just going to not do anything. But yeah, I'm six weeks and six days out. So I'm, I'm just trying to limit alcohol intake until meet time's over. As, uh, does that have uh, other than other than supporting me some and uh, your own performance benefits? Have you have you looked into like your uh, medications for the meat? Is that also kind of prompting you to uh, to cut it back to? Because I mean, yeah. those things are hard on our liver, especially orals. Yeah. So it typically when you take orals, which I haven't started and I won't start for a couple weeks. I don't believe I'd have to look and see specifically. Um, but yeah, it it is harder on your liver. I do have a very healthy liver. I didn't ever drink until I was 25, 26. Um, just, a pretty much a year before I was divorced. Yeah. Um, and I, I still would only drink occasionally. So I never really did anything to damage my liver. So I, I've, I've been able to be a little more rough on it here lately. Um, but yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to take any, uh, any crazy risks. Sure. Um, I'm also going to start taking, well, I've already started taking it. Excuse me. There it was. A <laughs> glucose disposal agent, uh, from better through biology called max uptake, which will also increase the effectiveness of the oral, um, but currently I'm just taking it with uh, post-workout meals. Um, and if you need to know more about that, you can look up uh, Better Through Biology on Instagram uh, and follow them. You can also look up Jakey B and Joe Sullivan 
they both post about it regularly. So um, really good explanations too. Yeah, um, better than I could ever explain it because I don't understand the science behind it. Other than um, basically, though, I mean, from from what I gather, because we talked about berberine, I'm familiar with berberine because of a client. Mm -hmm. They're basically. <clears throat> Not necessarily diabetic medicines exclusively, but they do affect your insulin sensitivity mm -hmm. that affects how your body uses glucose specifically. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> and glucose is, uh, hell, I'm in anatomy too right now. We're talking about this quite, quite a bit, the Krebs cycle and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, really, really important to the production of ATP and glycogen and mm -hmm. shit like that. So, yeah. um, the more efficiently your body runs in that, uh, in that regard, the more efficiently it can use those things as energy as opposed mm -hmm. to storing it as adipose tissue. And not to like plug better through biology a ton, but they do now have injectable ATP, which is kind of insane. Um, I have not used it. Can't say anything that, more about it, but if it is- It does act as a stimulant too in your body, yeah. right? So. so it basically just like, it gives you that extra performance, like, which is what what AT, it literally what ATP does. Yeah. It's your so. performance molecule of the body for the most part. <laughs> so, so it's it's interesting and I I may try it um at some point. I haven't decided yet. I, I would be interested to try it on some bigger lifts, which I haven't had any big lifts. Uh not crazy big anyway. Um but when we get to that point, I may I may try it and see if I feel good on it or not, and if I think it makes a big difference, I will probably use it for meat day, but you also have to be aware that it only, it, it is like, so it is energy essentially, so it does, it's like gas in a tank, like you just use it as you perform, so you do have to be aware that it's not gonna last you all day. Uh -huh. Like it's not, it's not gonna be there for the entire meat day, so, I can't remember the time frame, but I know there is a time frame that you have to take it before your lift. For your, uh, you being a pretty reliable deadlifter, though, I can imagine you would want it front loaded anyway on the squat. Right? Yeah, I would probably well, want. I would probably want it for my my squat session because that's going to be the biggest challenge of my whole meet is going to be trying to hit six eleven yeah, on on there. squat. Everything else, excuse me, man, this Zoa is making me gassy. Oh, but we swear they didn't put alcohol in anything. I did not. Just, I, I, you heard me crack it open, like. But uh, but now so. Well, that's been the discussion before the discussion. So welcome to the Sip It Rip It podcast. I'm Zach. He's Nathan. You can find us at ZG underscore Summer Shred Journey, which is the worst handle of all time, and uh, or at Coleman Barbell, uh, Coleman underscore Barbell, um, and then at Nathan Skedios, and then at Sip It and Rip It. Um, and if you're listening on Spotify, we also are on YouTube, Apple uh, Podcasts, all all the podcast things. Yeah, whatever <laughs> whatever RSS sends us through, that's what we that's got. That's what we're on. Yep. I think I think I'm gonna try and start putting uh, putting the podcast video on Spotify because that's an option, and I I don't know if it's gonna like boost views or not, but I think it'd be interesting to at least give it a whirl and see. See if people like it or not. So we we getting into uh, PR songs. Is that what's next? Yeah, let's let's hit our PR songs. I think I've got a few. Hold that up. Boop, boop. I don't know if that went. I've got two, and you're gonna roll your eyes at both, and that's okay. <laughs> um, I've been in a not heavy mood lately, and uh, I don't know one song you might appreciate. I don't know if you listen to Thrice much. Mm -mm. Um, 
But Thrust has a song that's a fucking masterpiece called the Dead uh, called Dead Wake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a heavy song, but it fucking rips. Love that one in the gym right now. It's off a little EP that came out in twenty twenty two, I think. But yeah, it's a fucking awesome song. Yeah. yeah. I I don't remember if I said this one. I think I did on the other episode, so I'm just gonna reuse it. That's fine. Uh, Domination by Within the Ruins. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, one. that on the on the deleted on the on the episode <laughs> that never aired, unfortunately. Um, but that that song still like gets me like just I don't know. There's just something about it. Something about the lyrically when people describe domination like it's just like it just makes me feel pretty like tough yeah that's fair mine is a my second one is a uh off the wall one from the 80s not off the wall everybody's heard it but is uh same old situation by motley crew (laughs) fucking awesome song uh, that's one of my all-time favorite bands and yeah, that's a left field one. Yeah, that's a very different from anything I've found. <laughs> yeah, but it's a fucking good song. Um, I love that band. I, I grew up loving that band. And uh, if you haven't ever watched The Dirt, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Dude. That's their uh, uh, documentary. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, it's played by actors. It's not right. a documentary, but yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's yeah. amazing. <laughs> great yeah, movie. There's there's another movie similar to that. You seen that Weird Al had? A, a, I hear that one's good. I'm I'm sure it's fantastic because it's a parody of all the like other, uh, like what did you call it? Biopics. Biopics. Yeah. So it's like a parody. It's like I forget which. There's one specifically that they took scenes from, and it was just like exactly like that, but it was Weird Al and it was flipping. It was really <laughs> strange. But like, I, I want to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but I've I've heard. Good I mean, Mo- the Motley Crue, the Dirt kicks the shit out of uh, all the ones that come out about the country singers, like the <laughs> the Johnny Cash one. I like a lot, but it's a much better movie than it's that. Walk hard. No, that was the one that made fun of it. That was a Dewey Cox story. Uh, walk Walk the Line. Walk the Line. Yeah, okay. and then uh, they had uh, the Elvis one recently came mm-hmm. out. The only other one I really like a lot, other than the Johnny Cash one and the Motley Crue one, was uh, the James Brown one. Um, Get on up is an mm-hmm. awesome movie, but uh, the rest of those they're pretty little, bad. Yeah, they're, the Queen <laughs> one was awful. That's what it was. That they were making sucked. fun of the Queen, Queen one. one. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine because that <laughs> that Queen movie sucked. I didn't bad. watch it, so I haven't watched a lot of those. To be honest with you, I some did. of them are really good. I highly recommend the Dirt, but at the beginning of it, you would appreciate it too because for. For like glam metal, they were like one of the heavier bands, and mm-hmm. specifically, like they kick one of their girlfriends out at practice because the girlfriend says they're too heavy, <laughs> and they get fucking annoyed at the beginning of it when they're still just like kids and shit. Yeah. And and so it's kind of it's kind of fun. Um, and also, they just had a really long and sad life <laughs> like yeah. as a, as a band too. So pretty interesting. I like it. Right. So what's your second? Um, I'm gonna go with one that's gonna be a little bit different i guess um you know the band andromeda yeah so they they had they do a bunch, stuff. they do a lot of instrumental stuff so there's uh a song from an anime i know you hate anime called attack on titan um called the rumbling and they did a cover of it with a vocalist i forget his name but it's really good like i i you if you listen to it and you didn't know it was like an anime song, you probably wouldn't even think about it. But it's not like incredibly heavy, but it's 
it's just it's a hype song. Like it gets yeah. me pretty. It's it gets me up. So. Oh yeah. Did you see where Nick Nocturnal uh, did a How to Slaughter to Prevail in thirty seconds? No, I bet they, that's great. Yeah, it is great. He decided to release a full length one and had an Alex Terrible volunteered himself to do the vocals on it. <laughs> that's so, <laughs> awesome. Has it come out or? They uh, I think about it's it? out. Yeah, I think it's I'm out. Have yeah. to listen to yeah. it. Yeah. It was. Uh, I just saw that at dinner. I was pretty. Pretty stoked on that because the Lamb of God one was fucking great. Yeah, it was really it was spot good. On. <laughs> I forget who did the vocals. Do you remember? Uh, the brand of sacrifice guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good song though. Mm-hmm. It's on my it's on my rotation. Yeah, it's uh he the dude's pretty good at knocking down some stereotypes. Yeah. He's it's he, pretty spot on. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> wild, dude. Like I, I haven't heard one where I was like, ah, that's a stretch. Like they've yeah. all been really close. So the how to Slipknot in thirty seconds got my wife so bad that uh, she can no longer listen to Slipknot and not laugh. Like, he was so spot on with yeah. that that uh, she can't listen to them seriously anymore. That's can, the only thing that I can still listen to. Slipknot, it's the only thing she can think about is Nick Nocturnal making fun of Corey Taylor specifically. I don't think he really makes fun of people, but he's just kind of like your music is. You know, well, I mean, yeah, he specifically <laughs> talked about how Corey Taylor seems to get madder progressively through, oh, okay. through a verse. Yeah, and, uh, yeah it's true. <laughs> and because because he pointed it out, Sandy just thinks that's so funny. <laughs> and it just ruined her on Slipknot, apparently. Oh, man. That's unfortunate. They've been around forever. Yeah. So how about the gym this week? Um, gym was pretty good. I did a lot of... Uh, a lot of weird breaks this week. Like, normally it's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday on the dot. I feel like I did like Monday, Tuesday break, Thursday break, Sunday, because I'd just been like really exhausted. Like for whatever reason, so I you guess. you lifted today? Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. Yeah. Did I say Sunday? I meant Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, that makes sense. I didn't yeah. know if you. I wasn't I trying to correct you. I was just trying to figure no, out. No, I was just like, did I say Sunday by accident? Like, I don't, but yeah. I didn't lift today. I mowed the yard today. That was my. <laughs> that was good GPP. enough for me. <laughs> Man, fortunately, it's not as hot anymore, so I'm right. like not dripping sweat the whole time. But it's really just the weed eating and like the the little bit that I have to push mow because I can't get the riding mower in there. But um, anyway, it's been a pretty good week. But I had to take some weird breaks, just too tired, and I talked to Joe about it, and he was like 100 percent behind it, and he was just like. Do what you got to do. Don't go in there feeling shitty. Yeah. So I had a really positive day yesterday, Saturday. And it was like, it wasn't a barbell day or anything. It wasn't like doing anything crazy. It was a normal like lift, like a bodybuilder type day. But I just kept on adding weight to everything. And I felt I, I did the whole stack on the tricep extensions for 15. I mean, I was progressively building up. I started kind of low. How do you feel about that machine? Do you feel like... Do you feel like it has gotten better for you as weight has improved on it? Because so, I have a hard time. I don't feel like it does for my triceps what I would like for it to. So just just to clarify for listeners, we're talking about the one where you sit your elbows on a pad. It's like a reverse and, preacher curl. Yeah, pushing you down push, push of, down. Yeah. So for me, I've always gotten a really good tricep pump out of it, like every single time I've ever used it. So... I feel like it's just gotten better through time. The biggest problem for me was just my core would was like being strained because I was having to kind of like get into a position and hold myself and keeping myself straight while using my tricep. But 
honestly, like I, it's, it's never been a problem for me. I've always felt really good on it. So I, I think it may, it may depend a lot too on how you set it up. Cause the way I have it set up is where it's, I'm pretty low. It's like about to my chest. And then I put my, my elbows on it. Yeah. And that may be, I don't know how you set it up. Yeah. I could probably set it up lower if you're going to mention it that way. Yeah. I, I feel like that's optimal for me because I feel like this position right here gets me the best stretch for my triceps that's right. the best push um so we have similar similarly built upper bodies yeah. not the rest of us but that could definitely probably help me out a little yeah. bit I, I feel i've like used that's it more been, yeah you know, more often but i enjoy it yeah. um but it, it's not the only one well I, right now it's the only one that i use it's not the only one that i've ever used um but for now like just because i only have one tricep extension a week um and it's on the last day of the week that's just what i use sure. everything else is either cables or uh Dumbbells. Dumbbells. So, yeah. um, but no, it was it was really good. I put an extra fifty pounds on the machine press and really fried my chest. Um, which is it's not even that. It's, it's really interesting as someone who can easily press three hundred and seventy five pounds. Throwing two and a half plates per side on the machine press gets me like yeah i mean it's just different stimulus. It, yeah, it just feels different. Like it's, think about the reverse. Hell, I have a bodybuilding client he's my transformation guy fucking out out presses me on almost every machine can't fucking barbell press 250 pounds right <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like i mean you just get adapted to mm-hmm. one thing or the other but i mean those new stimuluses are important for us and that's probably a lot of the reason why things are coming up for you yeah and you are uh on days he does kind of turn you loose you are for the most part dominating your lifts yeah so i mean it's been really good um funny thing and it's a segue into mine which is a segue into our topic today <laughs> Um, do you find that, uh, the more advanced programming you get into the more and more bodybuilding we do? Yeah. So <laughs> there, it's really interesting the way Joe has kind of done my programming. It's been a lot of like, you have specific days where you go in with specific mindsets and specific intent of the day. So on my, there's two days a week where I do barbell stuff. I'm a power lifter. That is my focus. I'm there to lift heavy weight to make sure my barbell work is good, strong, my technique is good, and that is my focus for that day. And then I have the um, the two bodybuilding days or athlete days, um, depending on what part of the block we're in uh, or the whole, um, what would be the term for several blocks? Meso. Meso cycle, yeah. So depending on where we're at, it may be more heavily leaning bodybuilding, maybe more athletic jumps. Um, yeah. I'm still doing med ball slams like before I deadlift. Right. Uh, so there's like different, different things, but yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I do believe that going in with different intents psychologically is advantageous because when you go in on, excuse me, when I go in on Monday to squat and bench, I know I have to be in the mindset to be a power lifter and squat and bench. So the next day that I come in, that's a bodybuilding day. I don't have to put all that focus in on being a power lifter. I just have to focus on stimulus. I have to focus on uh, getting a pump, getting a pump, metabolites, you know, all that shit that makes your body grow. That's the only thing that I'm focusing on. I'm not focusing. I'm not really focusing on strength. I'm not really focusing on power. I'm not not focusing on power lifting. I'm not. It's it's just be a gym bro that day and it's it helps with your your psychological side of things too because 
you're not always so stressed. Like if you have so many barbell days, you're like, squat this day and then tomorrow i got a bench and it's gonna be heavy and god man and then like saturday i gotta turn around deadlift heavy after i squatted heavy on monday yeah and, like, and there's just this whole lot of stress when you have so many bar- and that's the bit one of my biggest takeaways from working with joe is that i do feel like leaning not necessarily away from a lot of barbell work but focusing on specific days for barbell work and specific days not touching a barbell yeah, and I think moving forward, that's how I will program myself. Um, which I I will be away from Joe for a little while, but I'm going to eventually go back to Joe when I prep for my next meet, whichever, whether it's nationals or something something else whatever, local, whatever you qualify for. Right? Yeah, so we'll we'll go from there. But but my mindset on training has definitely changed in that regard. I hear you. I think. I think mine, mine's a little bit more basic than that, and I've just gone back and realized, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, um, how having a high level of general fitness, when I say general fitness, more, we've talked about it, that as being more of a bodybuilding background, mm-hmm. but it, being stronger in as many different ways as I can benefits my barbell stuff directly. Yeah. So I'm more and more focused on, like, what I do on dumbbell overhead press matters to my bench press. Yeah. What I do on leg press absolutely matters to my squat. Mm-hmm. Lat pull downs matters to my deadlift, you mm-hmm. know, those kind of things. But also like <clears throat> having a mindset where we don't minimalize those movements because they're not on a barbell. Exactly. They're a hundred percent important. They a hundred percent matter. And they're arguably I wouldn't say they're not more important because we're powerlifters, but right. that well, arguably they are as important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, well, it's um, it's like when you think about like if you're going up for a squat, general generally speaking, when you think squat, you think quads, right? right. But there's also hamstrings, glutes, your upper well, back. There's this whole chain of muscles that are required. So if you look at programming in that same vein of I'm a power lifter, so I have to squat, bench, and deadlift, and that's the only thing I'm focused on. You're neglecting all that support. Yeah, absolutely. You absolutely are. And that's, uh, I mean, that's huge. And let alone, you know, the psychological part that you mentioned is uh, something we got to dive into uh, in, into with Joe a little bit more, and I imagine when we have him back on, we will more. Um, but that's, you know, what I'm doing for myself is even not even getting that deep. It's literally how good can I be and how many different areas can I be mm-hmm. good in. Um, Pretty good example is y'all heard me bitch and moan about, I do not like doing arms. I like doing <laughs> triceps better than I like doing biceps, but yep. by and large, I would much rather be doing back. Back or legs is my favorite thing to do in the gym. Yep. Like, I would much rather be doing one of those things. Um, but treating a dumbbell curl with the same intent I treat my bench press or treating a skull crusher with the same intent that I treat, you know, whatever other lift um, has really, really made a difference in my size and my overall strength. Mm-hmm. And we talked about me anabolically. I'm on a quarter of as much anabolics as I was uh, in prep with Ron, and I'm. I, I think I, I think I'm just as stronger, stronger in my lower body, but I haven't had the nuts to test that out yet. Mm-hmm. But by and large, I'm stronger on less drugs, and a lot of that's because of the way I've shifted my thought process to the intent in which I'm doing it. And now, in this new block, gets me to what I'm doing. I did in the gym this week. <laughs> um, I started a new block this week. It's pretty volume heavy. Me and you kind of discussed mm-hmm. it, but because I'm on 75 hard, I have seven days worth of work to fill up. So 
one of those things if I don't get any if I don't get to everything on the days I have it programmed, I can kind of move it to Sunday and go into mm-hmm. the gym and and make my forty five minutes in the gym that way. Mm-hmm. Um so it's really no big deal. But I've gotten to the point that I do have less and less barbell work, but the intent is the stimulus and the stress is higher with less total work involved, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. My volume is much more the volume is much more intentional on the barbell, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. Um, so for lower body, for instance, I only have one top set and I have two working sets, drop sets afterwards. Mm-hmm. Upper body, I do one and three. Mm-hmm. One top one drop and or one one top set and three three drop sets. Um and then I'm done. So my barbell is a total and I'm not talking about like necessarily West Side prescription, but my barbell's a total of 15, 20% of my total workout. That right. Um, and it's helped. Mm-hmm. And it's helped recovery tremendously. Yeah. I'm going seven days a week now, and I'm recovered by the time I have to deadlift again, yeah. which is pretty fucking cool when you're going seven days a week. And the mm-hmm. only thing I've managed to do this is, the only thing I've managed fatigue-wise really is my barbell stuff and when and how I'm doing it. Right. Um, is everything else kind of just like you sit at an RPE eight, like all your accessory work? Yeah, absolutely. And I know, you know, I program it kind of loose ended, but, um, I know based on how that feel that day, whether or not I'm going to train an accessory work to failure or not, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, I'm probably not hurting myself. I'm very, very big fan of, I'm not going to hurt myself over a fucking dumbbell bench press. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not pressing the one fifties just cause I can press them. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm just. I just need um, kind of like kind of like your bodybuilding days. I know I just need a pump. I need the stimulus, and we can get out and go. Mm-hmm. Um, we need that unilateral movement for balance and stuff like that. But you know, I'm not really going ham. Um, I did get out of pocket one time this week, and this finger's still swollen, pretty bad. That's normally a really loose fitting ring. Yeah, and uh, fake burden, everybody. Yep. <laughs> uh, but on my ring finger, I was doing pull ups on three by three two like square tubing instead of a pull up handle. On the back of the Smith machine, mainly because I was too lazy to go from one side of Planet Fitness to the other side to go find the pull-up bar. So I just said, shit, I'll just dead hang off the back of the Smith machine and do some pull-ups here. And uh, my second set, my ring finger popped. (laughs) Like, dislocated it, and I'm pretty sure I have some ligament damage because I have a very, very stiff hand. And uh, it popped again deadlifting yesterday. Um, I had been trying to do all of my lightweight deadlift days, double overhanded and beltless. The double overhand got it. Um, to be fair, though, there was no warning signs that it was going to get worse. It was because, I mean, I had an EMOM yesterday, so I worked up to three three plates and a quarter mm-hmm. for like 10 sets of two every yeah. minute on the minute. So it was an easy day, weight-wise. And 315, when I warmed up with it, it didn't do anything to my hand, so there was no indication that I was going to hurt myself again. Right. But I ended up hurting myself again, and now I have to I'm permanently stuck on the mix grip right now. Mix yeah. grip's no pain, but I got out of pocket. Yeah, I mean that's that kind of shit happens. But um, all in all, I mean it was a good week. I do feel like I'm getting stronger. Uh, primary squat day still SSB. I think it helps posture stuff like that. Um, helps your quads. Helps my quads. Yeah, absolutely. Um, are you still I mean, doing no. uh, heeled shoes? When you squat? No, I'm, I'm squatting flats and have been for a long time. Uh, heel shoes tend feel a lot better for me if I'm squatting a high bar and a front squat. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they probably would feel better in an SSB, but I just don't feel like changing them because I That's have to fair. deadlift immediately after. Yeah. It's an RDL, but still. Um, yeah, change your shoes a lot. I, I know I get frustrated having to change my shoes. Yeah, you know, just a, you know, just a pure leg day. You know, I could probably get away with heeled shoes a lot. I actually ended up selling my only heeled shoes to to a client of mine. Mm. Um, he really needed them, though, ankle mobility issues. Yeah. Um, but I squat fine and squat fine to depth in flats. So, you know, I don't really. Yeah, if you um, don't need them, then. I don't no feel reason. as though I need them. So it just is what it is. Um, but, I mean, it was a great gym week. I'm looking forward to this block. Um, there'll be an interruption sometime in this block because I have a baby going to be here soon. Yep. Uh, but uh, by and large. We keep getting stronger, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, which I guess what we're talking about today is the changes I've made. You kind of already touched on the changes Joe's mm -hmm. made for you, but what we're doing for myself and more advanced, um, intermediate, higher, uh, upper level, intermediate, and and higher lifters of mine. Um, I've changed program and my and my philosophy on this stuff a lot, and one of them is that I've quit. And I believe it works for a long time, but I've quit, largely I've quit doing linear progressions or perfectly linear progressions for intermediate and higher level athletes, mm -hmm. mostly men. Women still pretty, for the most part, they respond pretty well to a linear program. Yeah. So they recover a lot better than we do. Uh, that's an absolute load thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm sure some of my heavy heavyweight girls, maybe Casey, Maybe Heather Calvert now. I don't know because she's you lost know she's a lot of she's weight. lost like she's gone down three weight classes and is still just as strong. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but most of the time on my like even Desi, who's not really one of my heavier girls, but you know Desi being really tall, I've always trained her like I train my heavyweight girls mm -hmm. um, because she's so long limbed. Yeah. Um, athletes like that, my female athletes like that, will definitely get this treatment too. But mainly, I'm talking about myself, Austin Blair. Um, Joey, even Dave, who, even though he has a modest total, he's, he's almost 60 and mm -hmm. is about to compete at IPL world. So, I mean, he's extremely strong for his age. <laughs> yeah. Um, so all the, you know, and with him, it's about age management more so than fatigue management, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but largely I've started undulating. Um, mm -hmm. so you don't know what that means. Basically I'm waving volume and intensity opposite of one another a lot of the times to control to better control recovery and things like that. So good example is I mentioned on my, this was my lot deadlift week on my deadlift week. I did roughly about 60% of my one rep max for 10 sets of two, every minute on the minute. So very limited rest, but it's very, very easy weight. Didn't strain myself. Didn't kill myself doing deadlifts this week. Mm -hmm. Next week, when you and I and Zach Marciller go and work out at the garage, that's my high day. So I'll have a double at, 480 plus pounds and then a couple of drop sets of five in the mid 400s mm -hmm. much heavier than what i just did this weekend yeah. um and then it'll be back to a low week back to a high week until i finish the block mm -hmm. doing the same thing with squats and i'm doing this i'm actually going to do the same thing with bench press this time too yeah. so um we'll see most of the time like with austin's last block i kept his bench press linear yeah because most of us if you're not just a complete and total fuck up, most of us recover pretty well from bench press. Yeah. Can handle a pretty good bit of stimulus and upper body stuff. But because I really believe in shoulder growth and I really believe in the overhead press and what it can do for somebody's total, um, I've started kind of doing uh, 
Austin specifically wanted to train more incline, so he doesn't do overhead press. He does dumbbell overhead press, mm -hmm. but he's basically swapping a heavy bench day and a heavy incline day every other week. Yeah. Um, but stuff like that to manage fatigue. But what we won't do is he will never, or at least for the rest of his time with me, we're probably never going to do a heavy bench day and a heavy incline day in the same week. Mm -hmm. Same way we're probably not going to do a heavy squat day and a heavy deadlift in the same week. Um, so I, I do want to ask you this. Just out of pure curiosity, what a, what about the idea of doing like before his his meet having an SBD day that is let's say ninety ninety five percent like so maybe I've, openers. I have done like uh, SBD days with Steve mm -hmm. um, sides, and he really really likes that. But the way I do that is Steve's on a four day a week plan, mm -hmm. so he has basically a squat day, a bench day, and a deadlift day. And then on his SBD day, we're doing all of our secondary movements. Right. So his SBD day may look like uh, three singles at 80 plus percent of SSB, three singles at 80 plus percent at on close grip, and then maybe a deficit deadlift. Mm -hmm. That's how I've done that to manage yeah. fatigue so far. Um, but I'm just talking but, like like maybe a couple weeks out or something like more more of a mental preparation thing. Like yeah, so I kind of. Um, Depending on the athlete, we take openers. I still like I still like the Monday before for women, mm -hmm. especially a lighter weight woman. But I typically do openers anywhere from seven to fourteen days out. Yeah. Um, and all three, and you've done that with me before. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something that something that we've done. Uh, heavier weight lifters, I give them the option, and I generally take about fifteen percent off the opener. Yeah. So it ends up being really it ends up being. Singles at about seventy five percent, right? But I don't want to mess with their recovery going mm -hmm. into uh, going into meat into day. meat day. Yeah. So all these guys' last heavy deadlift is two weeks out from meat day, and their last um, not to the day, but right. in terms of the program, is two weeks out from meat day, and their last heavy squat is one week out from meat day, and their last heavy bench would be the same. Yeah. So they they're in the, hitting that last heavy deadlift two weeks prior to the meet. Um, I started doing that because of Ron. Uh, that really, really helped my deadlift and really, really helped me stay healthy for most mm -hmm. of most of prep. I just we just kind of discovered that uh, because I'm a pretty good deadlifter, I just didn't recover very well from multiple 500 plus pound licks a month. Yeah, really, we got to the point we were. Austin hasn't got here yet. He will probably. Really, me and Ron got to the point where I only had one heavy deadlift day a month. Mm -hmm. Um. So it doesn't have to be every other week. It could be once every third week or or more or whatever whatever you need. I know a lot of professional strongmen only have about one heavy deadlift day, not one heavy dead uh, one deadlift day a month, but one heavy deadlift yeah. day a month. So <clears throat> I feel like that's worked out, and that's uh, by and large that's what I do. And then there's lots of benefits to volume. The number one thing is you get an opportunity to practice your sport. Um, in terms of the the top sets and the drop sets, it does two things for me and two things for my athletes. One, it gets them in a lower rep range sooner to adapt their CNS mm -hmm. to what we do sooner, but it also keeps them in volume longer. Right. So most of the time, top sets are I, – I do this differently from different people, but, like, the heavier the athlete – the bigger jump there is. So like Austin just came off of sixes and twelves. His top set was a set of six. All his drops were sets of twelve. Mm -hmm. Um 
about half the volume on the top set, right. essentially. Um, don't do that for everybody. I'm not doing that for myself. I'm doing threes and fives. Uh, but uh, I started taking that approach because that only leaves them doing a couple of heavy sets a month, one, with mm -hmm. the undulation. And then two, um, like I said, it allows me to keep them in volume for longer, if right. that makes sense. Yeah. So, and, you, and that's another thing. Um, you might see a good example of this. You see Jamal Browner do this with his deadlifts all the time. He'll hit a top set of probably, he's probably hitting top sets of one right now, I'd imagine, or yeah. two because American Pro. But, you know, he's doing one to three reps as a top set, and then he drops down and does sets of five to 10 with whatever other weight mm -hmm. or whatever. But you see pros do this all the time with, uh, with their barbell volume. And my first introduction to that was Brandon back in the day um, mm -hmm. before, before I hurt myself. Um, well, actually, it was after I hurt myself, after I came back from um, the adductor tear, we started doing top sets of five and drop sets of, you know, 10 plus reps. Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like it works really, really well. And also, once you get to a point, man, it's hard – to do three or four sets at 85 plus percent of your one rep max. Mm -hmm. And uh, depending on how you recover and uh, a little bit different for women, but depending on how, how well you're recovering, 85% might be about as much as you can lift that day. Yeah. Uh, legitimately. So it's really, really hard to do a linear program where you have, you know, the last three weeks of your linear program is a set of three at 85. And then the next week you're going to set a three at 87 and a half or 90 and then you're getting on 92, 95, only to rest seven days before meet day and try to find a new hundred. Right. That's fucking tough. Yeah, dude. And that's like, that's expecting a lot of things. You know, we control what we control. We talked about with Joe. That's expecting a lot of things away from the gym to go extremely well, too. Yeah. So it just doesn't plan for life very much. Mm -hmm. But if we can go, we can say, hey, we're only, only going to do this. Uh, X amount of times a month. Um, first of all, mentally, I feel like it's a little bit better for the lifter because mm -hmm. they don't have to fucking get the shit kicked out of them every every fucking <laughs> yeah. week. Um, but also, I think that they can they look at that number and they say, "Joey's a perfect example of this. He's vocalized this to me. He looks at that number. And he knows he's got he knows he's got a big set at five thirty coming up on deadlifts. He knows he has to be well rested, hydrated, well fed, and he should be taking care of himself like that every day." Mm -hmm. But when he, he looks at that and he sees he only has, he competes in November, he only has a finite number of these lifts left yeah. to do as much as he can do. Um, the mindset of the lifter, especially in an intermediate li lifter, changes from, I'm just going to get in there and do the work to this works really serious because mm -hmm. I have a limited number of times to do yeah. this. And it seems to be more productive, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and mm -hmm. one big thing for me that I'm working with Joe is that he's done something... He, it changes depending on the week, but sometimes he does have the top set, drop set. Sometimes he has me starting with the drop set at is some low weight, focusing on something different, and then transitioning into something heavier. Like this past week when we were doing deadlifts, he had me doing a 315 tempo to the knee and then a fast lock, a pause, and then a fast lockout. And then after four sets of two on that, which is very modest, we went into 4.45, or I think it was 4.45 for three sets of four, which is still pretty modest for me, but we were focusing solely on technique the whole time. Yeah. Like, that was the entire focus of that deadlift session was sure. getting the technique, making sure, because there were a few things we were working on, specifically like slack pull and stuff, 
that we really wanted to hammer and dial in, make sure that going into heavier lifts in the future, that I was going to lift exactly the way it was supposed to be. Sure. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah. That's... I mean, you can go back and look at my, well, maybe not, because I've been posting a lot of stories instead of reels, but. Yeah, you know, I think that you still, you're still programmed with an A to B approach. You still got to go from, this person has a, you know, 1,500 pound total on the platform and they want a 1,600 pound total. You still have mm -hmm. to take them from point A to point B. But. It's not a straight line. It doesn't have to be a straight line. Yeah, absolutely. It can be, it can be a roadmap. Mm -hmm. right? you, can, you, you can take turns and U-turns and. Ups and downs. Double back and ups and downs and everything else that you need to do to get there. Um, so it doesn't have to be perfectly linear. And I've known that for a long time. Um, the fact of the matter, linear progression does work and mm -hmm. it works for most people. Until it doesn't. Until it does, uh, until it doesn't. The majority of people are intermediate lifters, though, mm -hmm. and it will work for them forever. But we are on the cusp of you specifically and Austin specifically are on the cusp from going to, from an advanced level of intermediate to advanced or elite. Even mm -hmm. you're like right there on the cusp from not long, no longer having to use the term intermediate for yourself. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, um. Both of you have the highest two, two 2K potentials, I think. And I think Joey will get there, too. Mm -hmm. um, but the three of y'all have the highest potential for those things. And I just think you just you just have to start looking at things different because you have to start looking at longevity, too. Because mm -hmm. a linear program beats you the fuck up. Yeah. And the heavier it is, the more it beats you up. <laughs> so, I just, mean... Just to put things in perspective, and I know you've kind of already touched on it, but you look at someone like Dan Grigsby, who's pulled 1,074... His 85% is going to be close to 900 pounds or or is 900 pounds. How many times can he lift that? He's, you only you have know, so many of those in your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you not, see in, him, not in your training block, but in your life. You, he, have a finite you know, I, I think <laughs> I see him pull in between the eight and 900 pound rep, like weight range primarily. Yeah. Like that's where he stays at for most of his lifts. Yeah. I don't think I've seen him post anything above. I think 874 is the heaviest I've seen him post since he's competed. Yeah. And you think about that, he, that's, that's leaving almost, it is leaving 300 pounds on the table. I remember, I remember, Brand, I'll do you one better. I remember Brandon Allen talking about, um, I was still with him when he squatted that 10, 10, 18 or whatever in Australia. Mm -hmm. I remember him say, saying his last warm up backstage was like 725 pounds. Mm -hmm. His opener was, over 900. You know to, what I mean? Like, I mean, so his opener might not have been over 900, but it was, it was 400. It was 881 yeah. at a minimum. So like, you're talking about somebody that, and you know, he had touched some bigger weight a couple, I think that prep, he touched 970 for a double, mm -hmm. but that was one time too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and you think about that percentage, Man, that percentage still matters. It still counts for these heavy lifters too. And you think, like you said, you think, oh, you got a thousand pound deadlift, eight hundred pound deadlift's no problem. Well, that's still it's still eighty percent. Yeah, yeah, it should be about a five rep max or better. But like, it's still and it's, it's also still fucking eight hundred. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's know, still you know I mean? like, like ridiculously um, heavy. So on your percentages body. are like a little deceptive. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different when you have a female lifter that has a hundred pound bench press and eighty percent is eighty pounds. Yeah. I mean, I've seen girls take that for a set of 10 and not be able to hit 105. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, 
I think the I think that's the problem with a linear program, especially if it's percentage based. Sometimes, as as you get better, the further it is away from the truth, mm-hmm. right? Before you got with Joe, me and you had this issue with your deadlifts. We mm-hmm. talked about in your deadlift program what you were going to do your drop sets at. Yeah, and you had them at ten pounds. I said it needs to be ten percent. Yeah, and you were right. absolutely right. And then ten percent was like the problem is ten percent for me is sixty pounds on deadlift right now. For you, it's sixty five or seventy. Mm-hmm. Um. But guess what? 90 is still 90% is still 90%. Yeah. Just because you're pulling 630 that day instead of 700, that's still a fucking lick, dude. Yeah. That's still a heavy deadlift. That's a heavy single. Um, so you kind of got to account for like that growth in a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it is very common for men, male lifters, especially when they get up and, and, and advance. You're not always going to be able to hit. You're definitely not always going to be able to hit 100% of your one rep max, mm-hmm. but you're not always going to be able to hit 90% of your one rep max. Yeah. So one thing I learned from Shaco back in the day, which I don't necessarily agree with entirely with Russian Russian programming anymore. Uh, there's still really good takeaways from that. Is but Boris Boris Shaco said if <clears throat> that your ability to grow your one rep max was basically how well and how many good reps you could accumulate at 85 or up. Mm-hmm. At 85, not yeah. at 90 or up, not at 95 or up, but well how many good quality singles you can, uh, you can combine at basically 85 or up. Well, 85 is a number we could probably hit a little bit more often. Right. So you're talking about these guys, like they know if they can consistently hit 85 plus percent and prep, even if it's for singles, there's still enough stimulus there to, that's what Shaco theorized. Mm -hmm. The stimulus is still good enough to grow. Yeah. As long as you're hitting 85 plus percent. Right. A few times in prep. I I think the big thing is, like for me and the way I, I kind of view it is like you you want the majority of your training in that between 70 and 85 percent. I think that's ideal. Like most of your training should be there. Yep. There should be days when you push past that. There should be days where you, you know, oh, always you have to overreach. A yeah. Bit. yeah. So you always like whether it's an AMRAP, whether it's just like busting out a heavy single, double, triple, whatever, heavy set of like the most heavy set of 10 you've ever done, whatever it is, like as long as the majority of your training was within, within 70 and 85%, but you, you have certain time periods, planned time periods where you are, like you said, overreaching or trying to push your limits, your boundaries, that's going to stimulate that growth. But the majority of your growth in your your ability to lift is going to be just training that 70 to 85 percent yeah absolutely I, i'll be honest with you there's incredibly large amount of hypertrophic value in 40 to 60 yeah and i'll be honest i've I've gotten in the habit of starting more and more off seasons not necessarily on the primary lift but we i do a lot of variations in the off season for people um ssb is one of my go-to i make that a primary lift for people mm-hmm. uh in the off season um we might start a volume block on SSB at about 40% of your back squat. Mm-hmm. It could be, it's going to be for a pretty good bit of reps, 10 to 15, depending on right. if they're male or female and depending on their total. But like that still works pretty good too. Mm-hmm. And it's also a weight that they can control when we know that we can manipulate time. We know we can manipulate rest a little bit better there. We know we can manipulate um, several like external factors. Mm-hmm. Um that's not necessarily related to the weight, I guess, on the barbell. Yeah. Uh, there's other ways to get that stimulus, right? And then, like, when we're actually in prep, like, I've, I'll be honest with you, where I used to, when we used to might be doing 
uh, sets of eight with 70 to 80%, a lot of times my athletes are doing sets of three to five with 70 or 80%. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing doubles between 80 and 90. And maybe singles at 90 to, you know, 92 and a half or something mm-hmm. like that. But I've definitely like shifted my thinking more toward you have all year to worry about hypertrophic quality and you have the rest of you have your accessory work like Joe's mm-hmm. doing with you to worry about hypertrophic quality. I've focused more and more on how well an athlete can recover from that set of three or five or one or two, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And uh, less and less about how many reps can we, can we bang out uh, 10 reps with 80%? Yeah. Well, yeah, I know the math says you should be able to do 10, 10 reps with 80%, but it's just not fucking ideal to do mm-hmm. week in and week out. And it's yep. uh, mainly too, a lot of this came from, I got tired of beating my fucking self up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of wisdom came from doing some conjugate stuff where I was doing extremely low rep ranges uh, on my barbell work and still seeing good growth from it mm-hmm. because I was taking this kind of where I started taking accessory work a little bit more serious. Uh, but I knew that if I could accumulate X amount of good reps, like I squatted in bands a lot, if I could get, you know, 70, 80, 70 to 80% regularly for sets of three in bands that I probably was, it was going to translate to a bigger back squat, especially yeah. if it was higher quality better depth, stuff like that. Like, I just don't know. I think there's a million ways to do this. And, and the thing is, we've talked about before, everything works until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And when you get to a more advanced level, um, you do have to think about longevity. And, and that's when you start thinking about how many quality reps can I acquire versus just how, many, how much volume can I acquire. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, the quality of the volume begins to matter more than the volume itself, I guess. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because yeah. you're, you're, I mean, we're kind of, I'm kind of rolling back a little bit and kind of repeating the same top or the same point. But, you know, when you, when you get to a certain point, you get these heavy, let's say you're 600 pound deadlift, you know, working with 400 pounds, like, you can you can really focus on like you said the quality of the lift you can you can manipulate your technique more you can implement things like you know maybe there's room to improve on posture or leg drive or explosiveness or your hips or positioning whatever it may be like i feel like that may be more important at this point in my life i'm i think that may be more important than focusing on muscle growth is just Focusing on better technique all the time, making sure you go in there with the intent to lift perfectly. Every single rep has to be the same. If you go in there and you're going to go to deadlift, you're hunched over and you're just, you know, doing this shit and you're just like, you can't expect that to translate as well as a high quality rep does. If if you're, if you're not focused, if your main goal is not to lift perfectly every single time, I don't think you have any right to be going in there trying to perform a one rep max. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's true, but you know, coaches have tried to tell people this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. We've tried to tell ourselves that for a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it each takes, other that, and, and uh, it take it, <clears throat> uh, something that we talked about with Joe is like, uh, what separates good from great. A lot of the times your willingness to do things that other people wouldn't, mm-hmm. um, your willingness to control what you can control. And that's one of the most basic things somebody can control in the gym. But ego, a lot of the time, does get in the way. Yeah. 
Um, and that is something I think now this perfect have this perfect utopian idea of what powerlifting should look like and that every beginner should do everything perfect all the time. But that's and, not realistic. Let's well, be honest. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the problem with well, let's start a political conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's the problem with the idea of this utopian idea of powerlifting that every every beginner is going to do everything perfect. Fact is, they're not. Yeah. They may not even have access to allow themselves to be able to mm -hmm. do those things perfect, whether that be knowledge or equipment Coach. or coaching or anything like that. You know what I mean? Uh, most of us start this because we think it's going to be fun and it's just mm -hmm. a hobby, right? In the beginning. Um, and it's totally fine if it is just fun. I'll be honest with you. I've shifted my thinking from should those people be doing things to the best of their ability? Absolutely. That's what a coach is for. If they have a coach, that's great. Um, if you can set them down a better path earlier on, that's great too. But I think that's a very happy-go-lucky idea of what it's actually like. In reality, people really aren't going to start focusing like on this like they should mm -hmm. until it means getting better either physically because they've hurt themselves or leveling up to a bigger mm -hmm. total or something like that, right? I think the actual decision to do this takes a little bit of wisdom and some some scars. <laughs> some scars and some willing to look inside and kind of ref reflect on what you're doing and everything else. Yeah. I mean, as coaches, we do everything we can to make sure people are doing things right and as correctly as possible. But we talked about this, too. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. In the beginning, you're you're just less body aware. Yeah. Like, I, I remember getting cues, like, in the beginning, like, what are people talking about? Like, I, and it wasn't even it wasn't even that I couldn't like grasp the concept that they're talking about. It's because I couldn't actually feel for the muscle mm -hmm. because I didn't have a mind muscle connection to whatever they were talking right. about at that point. Like some of this stuff really does come with experience. Like mm -hmm. you have to be able to, <clears throat> if you want somebody to do something specific with their lats, um, you can cue people into it into a better position. But if they don't actually feel what you're talking about, it's gonna there's gonna be a little bit of translation loss. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can cue them to do it as correctly as they can, but like, I mean, you know what to do with our lats and every mm -hmm. major movement. Like, it's easy for, not always necessarily, but it's a lot easier for Joe to say, hey, I need you to do this particular movement because you've been in the gym longer than the guy. Right. You know what it feels like or what it should feel like, or you at least have an idea of what he wants. Like, it's hard to expect someone so, brand new, you know, you yeah. have to do this. So I realize... That. After you explain all this, my mindset where I'm talking from is more of like intermediate and up level lifters. Yeah, I wasn't when I was speaking, I, I wasn't really thinking about beginners, but I'm glad you brought that I, up I because I and I think we've talked about this before, may have said these exact words. Beginners, you just want them to get a few things right to get started. Yeah. Like there are a few certain things we keep want them, them to from get enough, hurt. Yeah, do things right enough they're not going to hurt themselves. But generally yeah. speaking, unless they're like really deconditioned or they have really bad muscular atrophy or something, you know, the weight, the weight they're going to be working with is probably not going to hurt them. I mean, it's possible. I just yeah. saw my great aunt uh, today at my mom's house and she was talking about she hurt her knee. She was at PT for four to six weeks. She went to a gym, uh, got a personal trainer working on her knee. Her knee's perfectly fine, but she was doing a little arm stuff and hurt her shoulder. I can't imagine she was working with heavy weight because she's she's my great aunt. I don't, yeah. I don't know how old she is. I think she's 80. Yeah. I mean, she's she's older, you know, but like 
it's it's possible it is possible to hurt yourself with minimal weight but for for a general like you get someone off the street maybe it's just a kid like 20 years old never been to the gym before and he's just trying to like get in he's probably not going to hurt himself on something like he's yeah, probably I mean, not going to work with weight that's going to hurt him unless you got a dangerous coach i guess yeah i mean like if somebody's super irresponsible can't get yeah. somebody hurt in a heartbeat <laughs> um but yeah i mean yeah i wasn't necessarily saying that's what you were after but i do think that there's this like expectation that everybody should do everything perfect but i do think that the want to do that just comes with time and wisdom yeah and i don't think anything other than time or wisdom is going to convince beginners to intermediates to start working right. on that more not to say that they can't improve in technique because they will if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're if you're a coach and you're cueing them and getting them in better positions and doing your job they're gonna get better if they are not, if they are listening to you and taking yeah. it in but they're not gonna my point is they're not gonna have this hyper awareness of it like you and i do right you know what i mean like, they're, like the more mind to muscle connection you build in the gym the better you can control these finite details mm-hmm. right uh, perfect example of this, you've been working on glute activation and stuff with Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, he diagnosed you with gluteal amnesia. Yep. Well, that's because you didn't have a mind con- muscle connection with that. That's exactly yep. what I'm talking about. Exactly. Like a new person does not have a mind to muscle connection with their lats yet. Mm-hmm. So you can say, do this with your lats, do that with your lats. Unless you give them a physical cue, you're probably not going to get what you want out of them. Yeah. Just by saying, do this with your lats. Yeah. They're going to be like, what the fuck's a lat? And you can tell them, you know what I mean? Yeah. We talked about that with Joe. You should tell them and and and, and give them the educational answer. But like, Both. they don't have the mind to muscle connection to right. just, just do be it. like, oh, like, these are yeah. my lats. They go yeah. here. Yeah. Which just, just because we don't have that episode, Joe specifically said you should give them the scientific answer as well as the dumbed down kind of meathead general population answer. So that's the one that's going to click. Yeah. And then you hope you have a client that cares enough to understand the why. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and when they understand the why, then um, I understand his point behind that. He's still really good at cueing people in a simple way. Yeah. I didn't mean that to be insulting to him when we talked talk to him. I don't, I don't uh, think but, uh, but if you can cue something in a simple way that people understand, then the why mm-hmm. clicks a little bit better. And I think he, he's really good at explaining both. Um, but, you know, I've talked about this ethically as a coach. You should be coaching people in a way that eventually they will not need you. Mm-hmm. And then also coaching them good enough that they don't want to do it without you. Exactly. That's yeah. the retention's about a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also about just continuing education on the coach's part. They're constantly learning stuff. So they're passing new information on to you yeah. all the time. You're growing as a lifter. Um, and you may be growing as a coach too, if you yeah. coach and, and are coached, mm-hmm. um, those are all really, really quality things. But yeah, you want to educate these people to the point that they don't really have to have you, but they just want you now. Right. You know what I mean? And that's the ethical way to teach anything, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, I have had one, my first powerlifting coach. Um, maybe he didn't know I was as smart as I was about this stuff, but he was very, very much the top that wanted to cue something simple and withhold information. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I want to know why. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted you to always need him. <laughs> that, right, that makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, uh, that's not an ethical way to. At this point in time, mm. with so much free information out there, especially, especially from people like Joe Sullivan, he does Q and A's all the time. You have access to all this information. It's really hard to even try and withhold information from people because they want to know they're going to find out. Yeah. And if you're withholding it from them and they find out from someone else, 
that's going to reflect poorly on you. They're going to either be like, you either didn't know this or you withheld it from me specifically. And both are negative. Now, if you just genuinely don't have an answer, you say, hey, I honestly don't know, but I'm going to find out. People are more likely just like, okay, you're still building trust there. Yeah, because you're You're being honest. Oh, oh, well, you know, as long as you go see see it through and actually find the answer. Um, and by the way, that coach I mentioned was not Brandon or Ron. So <laughs> yeah. they're both great coaches. Um, yeah. uh, it was my coach before either one of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, all those educational answers and everything definitely have a place. And they're definitely important. But I just, like I said, I think that I think the things that you're working on now just come with wisdom and being yeah. in the gym. It's just not something I see regularly from the gym, the gym bro community at large. I do see it more often with clients and former clients. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, want to know the why and they want to know technically how to get better and how to improve on these things. And it's simple, honestly, too, if you think about it, it's a good, it's a good return on investment because if you're consistently working on getting your technique better, that's going to result in a larger total with very, very little reper- repercussions on your body and your CNS. Yeah. You're, you're, you know what I'm saying? Like this, is a, it's a, very, very minimal investment with huge returns. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. Like if you just think about the energy that you're putting into it. Mm-hmm. And that that's mm-hmm. one of the big things Joe has been pushing. I've said this a million times, the intent on the lift mm-hmm. that can make or break your session. If you go in there with the intent to be perfect on your deadlift and it's, it may like, this is how I felt on bench press. I'm just going to say bench press specifically. So Joe has been giving me specifically low numbers on bench press that I feel like not necessarily insulting, but I'm like, I know I can do a hell of a lot more than that. I know I have a lot more in me. So I take, I make sure that every single rep, I do it perfectly. I do it with maximal force, maximal output. Just make sure that those reps are as clean and ferocious as possible. Yeah. That way I get the most out of what he's given to me. Yeah. And if you can't like that, that just, it milks the reps. It does. Yeah. You're getting the, the most you can out of it. I tell clients all the time, make me wish I had programmed this heavier. Yeah. Not that I'm going to, but make, <laughs> right. make me wish I had. Of. Yeah. And I, I, I <laughs> wholeheartedly believe that's what he's doing. I, make I, make I, me proud. Make <laughs> me wish I, I would have done it 50 pounds heavier than what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I, that's the intent that I want out of mm-hmm. a client. Um, but you know, that goes back to another thing pros say all the time. Uh, squat U points this out to a lot of people, whether it's Olympic lifters or power lifters, they'll post somebody up and say, look at this squat. Look at Jawan Garrison go from 145 pound squat to an 800 pound squat. And every squat looks the same. Mm-hmm. And then also Jawan is lifting the 145, the exact same amount of violence and intent that he lifts. 800 pounds with yep. like there's a reason why that guy's the fucking best best in the world and that's that's detail attention to detail mm-hmm. and something we talked about with joe was a willingness to control the things you can control and your technical prowess is something very much within your control that Absolutely. you should be controlling um we've talked about this uh, my clients are the direct benefactor of me having learned everything the hard way the worst i've hurt myself Every time I've done it has been on sub maximal weight. Yep. It's always never been, been on a max effort lift. Yep. It's always just been stuff where you didn't respect the weight. You I didn't, didn't respect treat it. it. I didn't respect my technique. I didn't. There's a lot of things I didn't fucking respect. <laughs> uh, you don't have, you don't even have the self respect to do it right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I know that about myself now. I mean, everybody's been there. Yeah. Um, 
we all grow from it. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, and you know, I try now to squat the empty bar the same way I squat 500 pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. Um, you know, it's harder when you're having squat sets of 10, it is a little bit harder to be in that frame of mind than yeah. when you squat a one rep max. Mm-hmm. But if you're at least getting, I would say in that situation, if you're getting the front end right, if your setup's good, the first one to five reps is great in a set, fatigue's going to take over. It's going to start looking like shit by the time your set's over, sure. But, you know, if you're at least repeating the same processes you go through on a heavy lift over and over and over and over again um, and building routine, I think that's incredibly powerful. One thing, one thing that I, I would say about that, though, let's say your form does start breaking down. Do you not think that you should just stop? Just like my technique has gotten no. bad, so I just need to stop. No, see, like Chad Wesley Smith talks about this a juggernaut. Um, technical development happens oftentimes in weight ranges that challenge you. Mm-hmm. So if you're squatting. Sets of 10 is pretty challenging for anybody. Mm-hmm. That's probably going to happen somewhere, depending on the person programming, it can happen anywhere from 50% up to up to 80. Mm-hmm. You know, 80 is probably way too much for a set of 10, to be completely right. honest. Um, but you have a wide, wide range, but sets of 10 are tough, mm-hmm. period. Um, but, you know, Chad talks about the f- feedback that you get from those reps that start to diminish can start telling you the things that you need to work on away from the barbell. Yeah. Are you starting to tire out because your glute activation is poor and you're shifting? Uh, one big thing, like people, the way shit people shift in a squat, mm-hmm. um, are you starting to like good morning squat? It's probably because you have weak quads and your body's becoming more and more posterior dominant, posterior dominant as your set goes mm-hmm. on. Well, now, you know, you probably have a weak core and you probably have weak quads. It's mm-hmm. anterior stuff, right? right. Um, so I think that the feedback you get from not necessarily maximum effort sets, but from sets that, that are heavy you. enough that challenge you is incredibly important because, I mean, how many things have Jones, uh, has Joe seen in you at a, at a weight that may be not even super challenging, but as he said, oh, well, this broke down right here. You need to change this or you need to mm-hmm. change that. Right. And maybe the word breakdown is not something he used, but right. hey, you did this a little bit different or something like that. Most of the time that's going to happen when you start to fatigue. So I think that the information it gives me as a coach is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that utopian idea of everybody should be perfect all yeah. the time. And I realize that's, that is what it is, but like that amount of feedbacks, amazing, it's you know, it's yeah. extremely valuable. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because your form breaking down is beginning to get dangerous. Right. Not always. You know what I mean? Um, but little, you're not. So I guess when I'm thinking of form breakdown, I'm thinking of you're just absolutely hunched over, you're dying, and and but what you're talking about is more like those subtle differences, subtle that, differences that start okay. creeping in as yeah. the set progresses, right? Okay. Like, is it becoming more and more of a good morning squat, or mm-hmm. um, you know, are you sitting in the hole a little longer on each one, having yeah, trouble locking your hips out, like yeah, stuff like, like that, you know, yeah. things like that, absolutely. Knee, sure. yeah. knee valgus, like uh, a good one for people pulling high volume deadlifts. Anything, and I say on high volume deadlifts, I'd say anything three reps or higher. Mm-hmm. How how much worse is your setup? Rep, 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 rep. Right. People start neglecting their slack pull, how they set their back up, how they set their lats up, more and more as a set progresses. Yeah. Right. Um, they start rushing it because they're fatigued. Yeah, absolutely. So what? Like, I guess from that aspect, what you start seeing is where are their priorities on their deadlift? 
what yeah. are they prioritizing in their setup as opposed to like the first one obviously they're making sure everything's right three and four maybe it's like my lats are i just don't care about them they're fraud right and, i'm know. just i'm 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 done trying to set them up or my glutes are in so much pain i don't want to shift my hips forward i don't want to you know push yeah, off it, the ground whatever it may be that's real biomechanical feedback as a coach that says this person sucks at lockout he needs more rdls mm -hmm. um this person you know the good morning squat he needs to spend more time on the leg extension and leg mm -hmm. press or belt squat or whatever you want to do with it um or maybe more time on an ssb yeah you know if it could be a postural thing that's causing that um but like that's really 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 quality feedback that i don't want to miss out on as coach yeah i don't want to push you to the point that it's impossible or that you're failing right um that's bad for you mentally mm -hmm. and hard on you physically yeah but i do it doesn't matter how great you are very rarely is especially when you're talking about volume is rep one going to look the same as rep 10? Yeah. And I think what you get from rep 10 is just as valuable as the information you get from rep 10 mm -hmm. is just as valuable as the one that you get on rep one. So, you know, and again, too, this high volume stuff, it is practice. We mm -hmm. are, we've talked, I've talked about that a lot. Like, that's your opportunity to practice your sport. You shouldn't mm -hmm. shy away from more volume is going to effectively make you a better squatter. You know, mm -hmm. it just needs to be which is kind of the original topic and why, why we got to talking about programming and why my philosophy changed. It just needs to be quality volume. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? But that it's not going to hurt you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Pretty good rant. I think so. I think, I think we covered pretty much everything we, we thought about. Yeah. Which was kind of, it was interesting enough for those who stuck around. It was kind of on the fly. Yeah, <laughs> we kind of yeah. just winged this one because Mar Stiller was supposed to be with us today, but unfortunately he couldn't. Um, yeah. But we will have him next week. We're all going to train together someday. Yeah. That'll be fun. I got, yeah, he's I, a lot fucking stronger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to. I've got to get with Joe and say, "Hey, I need my my day one a little early so I can lift on Sunday." And hopefully, he won't like rip my head off. But I think he'll be okay with it. As long as I as long as I don't train on Saturday, I think he'll be okay with it. Yeah. So I got to make sure I get my normal there Monday, Tuesday. I kind of almost Friday. thought you'd you'd pre, uh, you'd push day four off to Sunday, but. Day four is just an accessory day. It's bodybuilding day. So you don't I, want to be in there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to a gym with a monolift and, <laughs> and, uh, and do leg press. Yeah. And they have combo racks for bench and shit too. Yeah. So. I've got, I've got squat and bench on my day one. So I figured that'd be a really good opportunity to like lift out of a monolift and yeah. um, bench press. I'll have spotters. I'm not sure how heavy it's going to be, but it'll be nice to have spotters. Yeah. Um, which he hasn't programmed me heavy enough to need spotters yet. I mean, fair. Yep. Uh, three three seventy five is the heaviest lick I've taken for a double or a triple, and uh, pretty pretty freaking easy. RPE yeah. like six, yeah. very easy, <laughs> and that's very good. And that's not me like blowing smoke you know, up anybody uh, his own ass or anybody yeah, else's. Not 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 saying not not going around saying RPE zero <laughs> with with strain. You know, my face turning red and my neck vein popping out. God, that pisses me off so much. Let's have a small rant real quick. Let's have a small rant about people who... A coach, nonetheless. Fucking, a like, coach. dude, I don't understand. Like, first first and foremost, and I don't I don't like calling people out on shit, like, but when, when it becomes just, like, glaringly... I don't know, it just pisses me off really bad. Like, the, the it's like 
you want to like push your athletes and you want to be like, man, these guys are awesome. They did great. All this stuff. But you don't want to like you don't want to blow smoke up their ass. Right. right? Like you don't want to push them into a position yeah. where mentally they are somewhere where they're not and they go hurt themselves. Yeah. You don't want to tell somebody something's an RP six when it's an RP when it was an RP fucking 10. Right. You don't well, want like that's just being dishonest with your clients. And it's a it's. It's a disservice to them. It's, it's a, a disservice, disservice to you. you. Yeah. Like, it's a disservice to the community. Yeah. Like, the entire powerlifting, fitness community. Like, all of it. There, there is a nuance to this in that everybody's RPE looks different. I have somebody yeah. right now, and, and Joey Miller, who is an, he's an incredibly slow squatter. Mm-hmm. It takes him forever to get through a set. You would think that every rep he did was an RPE 10. Mm-hmm. But I have adapted to that, and I know what an RPE 7 looks for Joey now versus... I know when things are maximum right. effort. There is some nuance that happens that we don't get entirely just from spectating from something. Right. That being said, when you start seeing those technical breakdowns we mentioned, mm-hmm. and you start seeing them happen rapidly, more and more frequently, you don't get to call that. In RP, you know, there should be no technical breakdown in RPE 6. None. There probably shouldn't be too much R, uh, technical breakdown in a up to about a seven and a half, yeah. more than likely. Um, I'd say, I'd say, so even you, you even sure at an shit eight. don't need a, need posting a client up deadlifting, um, visibly pulled out of position. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can call it a misgroove if you want to. I don't believe in the RP. If, if it's an RPE six with a misgroove, sorry, bud, that was an RPE nine. You don't yeah. get to call just because it's normally an RPE six for you doesn't mean it was an RPE six that mm-hmm. day. That's why the rate, we have the rate of perceived exertion. It's auto-regulation. It's going to change from day to day based on how you feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're, having, if you're having visible technical breakdowns, um, you as a coach or as a lifter probably shouldn't call that an RPE 6. You know what I mean? Like, be honest. Like, I mean, the, the top, and the, specifically the video, and we're not going to say specifically who or what it was. It was a deadlift video. But we're not gonna say who it was. <clears throat> if you if he would have if he would have said that's an RPE eight and a half or a nine, I would believe that based on that lifter. Mm-hmm. Like there's some technical breakdown there. Maybe this person fights through a second. Right. You know, I could see them fighting through a second round. Mm-hmm. But they're like RPE zero yawn, and this person is pulling with everything they got right. like it's obvious that this person is like balls to the yeah. wall like it's a heavy lift like boy that's just uh and here's the thing here's here's the biggest thing for me there was like you said there was technical breakdown there was no quad in that deadlift it was completely spinal pull which is dangerous first of all I don't and believe. And then you're going to encourage that by exactly. calling it an RP zero. <laughs> I do not believe in that. That is extremely dangerous, and like you're going to get one of your athletes hurt. Like oh, yeah, that is absolutely. the only thing that is going to happen. And it, and I'm not saying this to be mean or to call people out or to be. I'm saying this because people, as, as coaches and athletes, need to just pay more attention to their technique. Period. That, yeah, I've been on. I've been on this tangent basically all night. Yeah, <laughs> but like. <laughs> 
you're if you're not focusing on your technique and i i will promise you you can scroll through my instagram well, feed i have some shitty deadlifts in there and i was super fucking proud of them and now i look back at them and cringe and say how did my lower back fucking survive that yeah. because that was shit yeah absolutely like well another thing too though as a coach if you're going to call that obviously the rpe zero thing was tongue in cheek mm -hmm. Still, probably he he was implying that it was a six or seven, right? Something easy. Okay, just based off of programming, what the hell? Are, where do you take that person, knowing that to achieve whatever RPE, which is apparently a made up number now, mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to this particular coach? What do you tell that person when they go around and you you program them RPE eight at ten or fifteen pounds heavier than that, and it doesn't break? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, you were supposed to hit that. Why didn't you hit that? Probably what? because you, call, you called her one rep max uh, an RPE six. <laughs> right. When it was very clearly a nine and a half or ten. And that, again, reflects poorly on the coach for making oh. a bad decision for. Where do, you, where do you take them? If you're going to blow that much smoke up somebody's ass, like, where do you take them from that? To the emergency room after they have a disrupted yeah, spine. I mean, that's, like, the, that's, <laughs> the funny, that's the funny answer. But just programming alone. Yeah. There was a reason, okay, and I got pissed off about this. I wasn't pissed off at Ron. I was pissed off that he didn't trust me with more weight, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. There was a reason why Ron would say, you're going to pull to an RPE 8 today, but you got a cap of mm -hmm. 565 today. Right. I knew I could pull 565. I right. didn't want 565. I wanted 600 in RPE 8. Mm -hmm. I probably could have pulled 600 in RPE 8. But he knew that if he fucked around too much, mm -hmm. And gave me something, even even if it had been a nine, it could have changed the trajectory of my, Your because plan. of recovery, it could yeah. have changed the trajectory. Of, well, great. If 600, if 600 is a nine now, it, he's going to fully expect to be able to pull 620. What happens when he doesn't break that? Right. Then I have, then I have all this fucking psycho psychological work to do on this athlete too. Mm -hmm. He would much rather know, I gave you an RPE eight. I capped it at 565 for a reason. He would much rather me walk out of the gym with a little bit of swagger, acting like, oh, I told you so, coach, mm -hmm. than have to put my mind back together three weeks later when I miss the next one. Yeah. And you think about <clears throat> that, if you're that close, like you're lifting that heavy, that close to a meet, you're going to be in such a bad spot going into the meet because you're going to be broken mentally. You're going <laughs> to be like, I missed a lift like four weeks out. Yeah. That's not good. That means would, I'm off plan. As a coach, I'd much rather piss you off underrating an RPE and assigning you that mm. than uh, doing the opposite, which this person has done, mm -hmm. letting them kill themselves and then telling the whole world they had three or four more reps left. Yeah. That's bullshit, it's, bud. Yeah. <laughs> That's bullshit. Like, definitely fucking didn't have that. Yeah. I mean, definitely didn't. Uh, uh, it's incredibly dangerous and irresponsible. Yeah. Incredibly. And uh, that's somebody that's either going uh that i feel like that person's a smart person so they will either figure it out um or they won't i mean and if they don't they're not going to have a very long career in coaching yeah i mean that's and that's the truth and going back this is a, this is another little side rant that was my problem with the crossfit community mm -hmm. they wanted to rah rah you did great at everything you fucking did there was always like hello <laughs> um we have visitors, apparently. Apparently, we have, we have visitors. Um, 
They wanted a raw, raw, you did great at everything you fucking did in there. You pulled yeah. an UPR, great. There was no fucking feedback as to what you could do better. Mm-hmm. If it was, it was in, pa- in passing. It was like, oh, maybe you could do this a little better next time. Mm-hmm. Just work on that. Like, there wasn't a drive to be There was better. no, like, incentive to, like, let me tell you something. Sometimes you need somebody to be like, one, that was awful. Two, you're lifting outside of your means mm-hmm. right now, or at least out of your te- technical means. And three, this is the, what we're going to do to fix it. If you don't like it, then you're just going to continue to be bad at this. Right. <laughs> like, you need somebody to tell you you suck. A rah-rah attitude does nothing for you personally, does nothing for you emotionally, does nothing for you as a growth, as a, for your growth as a person or as a power lifter. Yeah. It, does it feel good to have somebody pat you on the back and say good job sometimes? Yes. It should always come with great job. That lift was killer, but let's do this, this, and this better next time. Unless you did a great job, like genuinely, you you like you lifted perfectly, you know, you know whatever. You know as well as I do, though. If you're talking about the RPE range, this person, yeah, actually pulled situation, no. actually pulled, yeah, versus what they were told they were pulled. There was plenty of things to correct. A hundred. If you're lifting in an RPE seven and a half or higher, there's going to be something in that set to correct. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're fucking Eddie Cohen or you're brand new to it. Mm-hmm. There is going to be something. And maybe the details are more finite, the better the lifter is. Mm-hmm. And it, we know that. Like, yeah. The adjustments I would make in you are much different than the adjustments I would make into somebody that just started. Yeah. Um, but there is going to be something to correct. Yeah. That's, period. And it should get corrected. If you're a coach, it should get corrected. Period. That's what they're paying you for. Right. <laughs> so that's, that's one thing I've been very fortunate with with Joe is that because he is extremely knowledgeable i have my own fair share of knowledge the transfer there is very smooth and easy and there have been very few times when i have asked joe like i don't like tell me what you mean because i don't understand there has been times that i have and recently even talking about uh uh hamstrings with my deadlift he was talking about uh, something that Ron actually talked to you about being very straight legged and then reaching down for the bar and then pulling the slack out, bringing your knees in. That was my whole process of fixing, like cha- that was the whole process that we were working on this week. Fix the slack. Pool. As opposed to where I normally would, which he props to Joe. He said, it's good, but it can be better. Yeah. Like, like he understands that I have skill here. I have the knowledge I'm doing things correct yeah, we're but, not here to cut you down right <laughs> but, I, th- things are technically correct and things are technically do- going good but they can be better if you do it this way yeah and he was absolutely right because as soon as i did it i was like wow this feels like that's a that's a really good deadlift you isn't it yeah it's very it's very yes it, it was and treating learning to treat yourself like you're wedging yourself is yes. a much different feeling than just pulling slack and sitting down yes, <laughs> yeah because like, that's what i'd been doing for the longest yeah. time i would have my knees bent i'd i'd bend down and then I'd, I'd set my lats and I'd push my knees in. It's so much different. There's so much more tension when you're straight-legged. Rowing it to you, basically, yeah. and then setting and, and then, like, getting your knees forward and then standing up with it. I felt so much stronger, so, so much snappier. Like, it was... It and was, also, that teaches you how to take advantage of... Me and you have to train on stiff bars because mm-hmm. where we're at. That's going to make a deadlift bar that more advantageous. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, you're excited. gonna be halfway done with your pull by the time you fucking pull the slack out of the bar. I'm so excited I mean, to pull on a deadlift bar. I mean, so like, you know, that's one another one of those stimuluses he said you can control. I, I get really annoyed when I have clients that exclusively train on a deadlift bar because mm-hmm. I feel like what well, that's not. I know you need to practice on one to an extent, mm-hmm. 
it no longer is at an advantage if that's what you have to pull on. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and there, there are some uh, situations where I'd say you probably should always pull on a Yeah, really, honestly, probably last six, four to six weeks, you should probably be pulling on a Dunder before. But I mean, like, even, like, I don't know, for guys like Dan Grigsby and stuff, maybe you should always pull on a deadlift bar because the weight's so heavy, you kind of have to replicate everything to an exact. You're definitely talking about, you know, a one in 10 million athlete. Oh, yeah, I'm talking you about know, the elite, yeah, elite yeah, over yeah, here, yeah. whereas... Us and you also, we here. also know from our education, what way we've educated ourselves through Juggernaut is the better you get at the sport, the more sport specific your programming yeah. has to be to be, get better. So those are nuances that are really kind of saved for the super elite, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Yeah. Um, by and large, though, it's advantageous to pull on a stiff bar. Yeah. It <laughs> essentially forces you to pull at a deficit. Right, it because, does, yeah, because absolutely. you're not getting as much slack pull, the bar is not bending as much, so you just kind of have to. Every every deadlift competition or, or mock meet I've done, I have put weight on my on my deadlift. Mm-hmm. It's because I and I really hundred percent credit that with I never pull on a on a deadlift bar yeah. until it's time to pull on a deadlift bar. So, I mean, and just <clears throat> this is again more elite of the elite stuff, but. If you are going into a competition with a kabuki bar, you should probably practice on it. You absolutely, because the whip is supposed to be really crazy. It's supposed to be way more bendy. So there just is be, a uh, you be careful. And I, I thought, I thought those. I understand the reasoning and the logic. Let me preface this. <laughs> but there is a specific group of <laughs> powerlifters here in the state of Alabama whose coach will bring in whatever bar is being deadlifted on that day, so they can do all their warm ups on that bar. Hmm. But I mean, I'm not saying it's, uh, it's there's no rule against it. Right. So like, yeah, you know, more power to them. But it's a little cheesy to see all your competitors have to warm up on a different bar than you. Yeah. Knowing that you got to get you're going to go pull on the same bar. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess that's good to have the inside track on that. But like. Boy, it's it's pretty fucking cheesy watching somebody walk in with their own. It's it's almost a little bit like we're better than you when right. somebody walks in with their own bar to the warm up area to warm up for a powerlifting meet. Those are the people that you just got to put in their place. <laughs> that's what it boils down to. I tell you what, that's a strong demographic. That's that's one of those demographics in Alabama because we're in a smaller country town. And I feel like people think I'm shitting on our demographic here, but we have a lot of extremely hard workers that do have true 2K potential. Mm-hmm. But because we're in a metropolitan area that is literally an eighth of the size of the areas that the two biggest powerlifting teams are from, mm-hmm. um, the amount of talent that they have, in my opinion, far outseeds what we have here. What we have here, okay. yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, that gap's um, that gap's always going to be harder to close because I'd, I'm never going to have the demographic that they have. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all. I mean, that's all there is to it. You know, you know what I mean. And I'm not talking about, um, the demographic I'm talking about is literally just a larger demographic. There's yeah. more people to pull from. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's not a specific group of people or anything like that. It's just literally a larger area. Right. There's it's more the same, people, so there's more likely that there are going to be people who are athletically inclined. If you go watch, it's the same thing as if you go watch fucking Hoover play football. It looks a lot more like college ball than. If you go watch Good Hope High School, right. a 4A go play, mm-hmm. that's just a lot larger talent pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. It's a bigger metropolitan area. You got more kids, so you're going to have more talent, yeah. period. Uh, and I think that's, you know, I've talked about it before, that's 
an advantage that uh, some coaches have that the rest of us don't, and we that's a hard gap to close because of that, though. Right. Um, and in Alabama, this is still a relatively small sport, so mm-hmm. that means we have a large; those areas have a large demographic, and because there's very few gyms in the state of Alabama that do that and specialize in that. That means they're going to have the monopoly on that entire demographic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that is interested in powerlifting for now. For, for now. now, yeah, absolutely. We'll, Those things we'll, can change, and we hope that they do. But uh, we'll we'll work on bringing a real powerlifting gym up here one day. One day, yeah, absolutely. One day. And we hope to. But you know, but that's been good because that's allowed me to expand. I have a I have a big footprint in Decatur now. Yeah. Um. So it's gave me reason to expand outside of Coleman mm-hmm. County. So that's good, and I'm getting talented people because. I've expanded yeah. <laughs> the demographic that I'm available to. Mm-hmm. So it is what it is, but that's a, uh, that's a really curious, that's a really funny and curious thing. <laughs> bringing in your own equipment for your athletes to warm up on. Is it just deadlift bar? Or do they bring in a squat bar? Or do... I've only ever seen the deadlift bar. Okay. I, I think for the most part, we're all on. I think there's a few meets that do like rogue power bars and rogue squat bars, but I think for the most part, we're all on Texas, Texas, everything. Yeah. Right. Like, one meet in Huntsville specifically that I was at recently had a deadlifted on a Kabuki deadlift bar. Mm. And they they brought in yep. the Kabuki bar. Yeah. Well, it is what it is, I guess, you know, like. I mean, maybe I'll have that much money one day and I can just, you know. <laughs> casually buy. A- you know what? What kind of combo rack are you guys using on the platform? That's what I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to drag. I'm just going to drag that in all my own plates <laughs> and barbells to the warm up area. We'll just set it up outside, right? Have don't our even, own little warm up area. Don't even just let us know when our we lifters are up. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, we'll we'll send somebody in there to listen. Just have like a a really big. Trailer. Nobody else can use it. Yeah, but we're gonna have our own. We're gonna have our own warm up area. <laughs> uh, brought brought in and specific specifically catered to for us so that we can lift on the same equipment as we are on the platform. So have have a trailer that's like a mini gym. Yeah, that's it. Just fuck fold that bitch out. <laughs> might as well fucking might as well fuck put a taco stand in it too. That way fucking, <laughs> well, I want to be careful about the, the tacos, depending on what's in it. Well, now, if yeah. we're doing like shredded chicken, some rice, lettuce, you know, just don't want to go too heavy. I'm pretty sure most are probably aren't worried about that. That demographic, that that team might be though. They're pretty. They're good. They're they're fucking good. <laughs> they're, they're fucking good. Like I mean. It is what it is. We, we just got to be better. That's all. That's the name of the game it's is being game. better. Like that, they if just because they are good does not mean someone else cannot be better than them. As, even just for a day, they can yeah. have a bad day. You can have a great day. That's that's sports. That's why we play the game. That's yeah. sports. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not. I'm not upset that they're good. That's just. I'm happy that they're good. iron yeah. sharpens iron. So iron like you see, yeah. you see all these people like man, these guys are pretty good. How, how do I get that good? How do I beat them? And yep. then, and then, if you beat them, they go, "Where'd that guy come from? Like, who, I think, <laughs> who is this guy?" This is definitely an ego conversation, and, and we'll <laughs> we'll wrap it up after this. We'll wrap it up after this. But I see what you guys have done, and I'm going to include you in this. I know you're Joe's now, and you're not mine. It is what it is. But <clears throat> I was originally, but yours. yeah, absolutely. Right. But I've seen you guys and how far you've come, and we've got to x x le- x amount of level with. People like you and Austin and a lot of my girls are incredibly competitive mm-hmm. and they win more often than they lose, yeah. to be honest. Um, we've gotten to this level. I, I just have to wonder what I could do if resources were equal. Right. If I had 
I don't have, I don't even have a combo rack. Mm-hmm. I've got nice bars. Mm-hmm. I don't have calibrated plates. Right. I don't even have competition collars. Right. I don't have a leg press. I don't have a leg extension. Don't have a leg curl machine. Right. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, I just wonder, you know, what I could do if resources were equal. Mm-hmm. Even without, I don't have to have the demographic right now. Even if I had equal resources, what could I do with equal resources? Right. I'm curious. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I have people going and winning meets and they squat in a commercial, they do everything in a commercial gym. Mm-hmm. Me and you still do. It's mom and pop place. But right. Like, it's still a bro gym. Yeah. Um, we've never got to lift regularly in a powerlifting centric gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you have to wonder, like, like what could what we would do? your prep look like if you were on calibrated plates all the time and out of a combo rack all the time? And like, yep. if for nothing else, for me, mentally, it's it's a comfort thing. Yeah. Like, I'm much more comfortable competing in the same equipment that uh, everybody is, whether mm-hmm. they realize or not. It's yeah. subconscious. I mean, I just want to know what I could be capable of if I had, you know, as a coach. I know I'm a shitty athlete. Nobody has to tell me that. But I want to know what I, we could be capable of if I had equal resources. And, you know, maybe well, maybe one day I will. Mm-hmm. And I hope, hope to. But, like, I feel like that's the only really large delineating factor right now. Right. So. This is interesting to think about. We, we won't, won't really be able to tell until we do have it. So. Uh, but. Another thing, too, and, and, you know, it's because of people like Joe that we've talked to him now and that you have him. And Ron, who's. A great, I, th- I think Ron's the best coach in the state of Alabama, and I'm not blowing smoke up his ass. A lot of that's just his care for the person mm-hmm. and not even the program. It's just to have Ron on your side right. as a fucking asset. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think he's, I, th- I think he's the best. But like having people like Joe and Ron and Brandon before, and even each other now, because you know as much or more than I do. I definitely um, don't know more than you, let's just be honest. But I mean, looking looking at it on paper, I am planning for things that I know other coaches aren't even considering. Right. Like, I know for a fact the things I started working on today with Austin, inspired by Joe completely, but I know for a fact other coaches aren't considering those mm-hmm. things. So I just want to know how much of a difference it is. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So, I mean, there's a lot to be, well, there's a lot to be desired because mm-hmm. I, I do feel like I'm working at a deficit, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So. You're, you're working on a much smaller budget. Essentially, yeah. and I'm I'm having to do less, I mean, more with less. If yeah. that makes sense, so that's what it is. Not Dude, complaining. It's it's fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Being innovation become comes from necessity, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you necessity go. Necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. So there you go. I got it reversed, but it's, but it's yeah, the sa- yeah, same, same thing. Yeah. I do want, and I know we've been running, and we keep saying we're going to end it. I do want to mention one last thing. And it's just from a psychological, like a sports psychology aspect. I, I think it was February, March, April, somewhere around there when I originally started getting ready to prep, like mentally kind of prep and get ready for October because I knew I was going to do another meet this year. And I told myself my goal was 700 pound deadlift. So I've been I've been saying this the whole time I read a sports psychology book, audio books, like listen to it while I was working. And they mentioned this thing of just repeating it over and over again, visualization, all these things. Yeah. So and it, it just kind of dawned on me today. 
Like I had been kind of a little worried about my deadlifts because they felt a little weird. Obviously, they felt they felt great this week, so I'm not really worried about it. But I'd been kind of like, oh man, what am I gonna do? Like things don't quite feel right or whatever. But I because I had been saying it for so long, and because I had mentally visualized it so many times, today I was thinking just randomly, how am I gonna celebrate my 700 pound deadlift? Like I've already done it. Like I, and mentally, I've already done it so many times. I don't even think about like, is it going to go? What's going to happen? It, it's, it's just going to like, I've done it. Yeah. And it's really interesting. It really dawned on me today because it was just like, I was just mowing the lawn and I was like, what if I did this? Like there's, <laughs> and it's really funny. And, and Desi's going to be really annoyed if I do this. There's this wrestler. Uh, and we, we've been watching a little bit lately and his whole thing is he, he looks up and says, yeah. And I'm thinking like, what if I just do that? Like I pull that center and dead left and I just love it go, yeah. <laughs> it was just like, but it was like mentally, it was just like, when I do this, it's not a can I do this if I do this. It's just I'm gonna do it. Mentally, I'm there. You're in a strong spot then. Yeah, it's it's and it just it's interesting because physically, like a couple weeks ago, it was just kind of like, man, I don't know. Yeah. Like there there was still some lingering doubts that would pop up. But every time I think about a 700 pound deadlift, it's not, is it gonna go? It's just, it's already happened. Right. And how, how am I gonna celebrate or whatever? It's just really interesting. And I just wanted to bring that up in some way, shape or Talk form. Talk positively to yourself. Yes. That's an incredibly powerful thing. Sport, That's what sport. he's talking about. I really believe Nathan's gonna pull the 700. I've already uh, done it, it. But it doesn't do the athlete any good for me to believe that they're going to do it necessarily yeah. that you, you really need to believe yourself that you're going to do it. I mean, um, I have two athletes, big meets coming up, uh, Joey and Lance, both of them are prepping great. They're doing a good job. Um, I have on paper what they're supposed to do and convincing them that they can do it is it's, it's half the battle. You know right. what I mean? What shows somebody that is confidence building up to those heavy mm -hmm. days. You know, Joey's always already doing things that he's never done before. Mm -hmm. like, so he's going to be much more confident when he gets under that heavy weight and stuff. But it still isn't going to. He had a bad day the other day. He was dehydrated and missed a deadlift. Mm -hmm. First miss, miss of prep. Misses aren't planned for. We don't plan. We don't. I don't give you weight expecting you to miss it. Right. That's, that doesn't mean no good. Doesn't you no good. Mentally, it puts you in a crappy place. But like his ability to, what we did though, is he was upset about it in a moment, but we talked through, did you do this? Did you do that? Did you do that? What did things look like before you got to the gym today? Turns out he was way behind on water. Mm -hmm. Dehydrated. Dehydration is a 15%. Yeah. It can be up to a 15% strength deviation. Well, he's, we're, he's programmed at a 575 pound deadlift. He, he missed 500. Mm -hmm. Guess what that was? Yeah, that's to the number. It was it was, it was about fifteen percent. Yeah, seventy. Well, actually, yeah. actually left his. Uh, he missed five hundred. It, it put his theoretical take fifteen percent off of his strength. It put his theoretical one one rep max at like four eighty nine. Right. So like that, a dehydrated that four eighty nine would have been his his capacity that day. Right. So like, but he didn't. Don't tell him that to discourage discourage him or anything like that. It's like, hey, this thing that you could have controlled would have got you here. Right. When you go to do, in two weeks, when you go to pull your 530, what are you going to do different? Mm. Like, and that, get, you know, that rein, reinstalls some like, confidence in him because he yeah. did all his drop sets and stuff like that. And he was like, well, you're right. Fuck. Like, 
I'm gonna drink my fucking water yep. next time. You know what I mean? I'm gonna be prepared when I get to that <laughs> yeah. get to that point. But like, it's things like that. Even in a miss, even if, if, if even if you make it, like that reinforces confidence, and mm-hmm. that he he believes that he's gonna do fine at five thirty next time. Yeah. He will, as long as those things are right taken care of. But I fully believe that they will be. But like, as a coach, you do you have to do a whole lot of trying to convince the person that they're as good as you think they are. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I'll tell you something. In this sport, a lot of us got into it because we have very, very, very low self-value. Yeah. And convincing me that I'm going to go pull 650 when I've never pulled 650 before is a fucking chore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a, that's a, that's a huge thing. So, like, you know, as a coach, like, you have, to be on, you have to be on top of that, too. It's so much more than pen and paper. Mm-hmm. You've learned that with Joe yeah. in a pretty profound way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and do your do your part as an athlete and definitely as a coach uh, encouraging people but you need to encourage you need to learn to encourage yourself yeah for sure long and short of it sports psychology is real um and it can really change your mindset on things so don't be afraid to delve into it specifically meditation and visualization now, there's a reason why these college, major college football programs have have a budget for sports psychology yeah. people on staff sports mm-hmm. psychologists on staff for these things um, and it's not it's not going to take you any more than five minutes a day, maybe 10. Yeah, if you, if you don't really believe easy. you're going to hit a PR lift, how do you expect to believe that you're going to come back from a devastating injury? Because they yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, the, so, I mean, it's like, the, that's a new level of suck. Mm-hmm. Putting 10 pounds on your squat. Eh. Right. Like, but having to rebuild it from nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't believe in that extra 10 pounds, you don't believe that you're going to come back from injury. Yeah. Like, you got a long way to go. So, I mean, working on yourself daily is important. Mine is a powerful tool. Uh, I'll be honest with you, too. Um, I, it's kind of funny that I ended up getting hurt anyway, but I started doing some affirmations leading up to my meet in March. And uh, I think those things, it was my best prep ever despite having got, gotten hurt. Um, but I 100% believe those affirmations is what led to me hitting PR after PR after PR that last six weeks of mm-hmm. uh, prep. Like, I mean, it just went outstanding. Yeah. Um, so like, I do believe, I believe there's something to it. And you know what? It did help my confidence coming back from another, yet another injury. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck, well, I've done it and I've done it and I've done it and I've done it. I'm going to do it again. It's yeah. not that fucking intimidating to come back from something. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's not, but it's still more, that 10 pounds extra on my squat still more intimidating to me for some reason, but it gets better. Yep. It's a practice. Sports psychology, believing in yourself is a muscle that has to be worked often. Yeah. You have to you have to test it, and mm-hmm. that's and that's the truth. So that's it. In rant, Dan jokes, dad, dad jokes, jokes. Dan, 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 Dan jokes, Dan, Dan jokes, Dan jokes. Man, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. I don't either. Bro. <laughs> that was an odd one. Are we going to Dad says jokes again? Uh, I believe I have some saved, so I have some old Dad says jokes that should be on here that I have not looked through. There's some posing advice that I saved because. For some reason, I want to get good at posing. I don't know. Why. What do you call a reluctant potato? A hesitator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's green fuzzy has four legs and will kill you if it falls out of a tree? What's that? A pool table. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely will. <laughs> uh, so my girlfriend is leaving me after I accidentally broke her glasses. She said she can't see me anymore. 
<laughs> so I asked my dad the other day if I was adopted, uh, adopted, and he said, "Of course not. Why would I? Why would I have picked you?" <laughs> Damn, that's brutal. Uh, I bumped into a beautiful woman when I was out, and she asked for my number and then my insurance info. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have a terrible fear of uh, tsunamis. Yeah. Comes in waves. Blat. <laughs> uh, so my wife asked me, uh, are you sometimes surprised at how little people change? And I said, actually, it's the, the process is the same. They just have tinier clothes. <laughs> Today, I saw a midget climbing down a prison wall, and I thought to myself, that's a little condescending. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to follow that up. That was pretty good. I, I think I think that's a it, good. Uh, one. I just did uh, the search for dad jokes, like hashtag oh, yeah? dad jokes, and it yielded some pretty good stuff. Yeah, it did. It was that, pretty good. That was a good one. I like that last one. <laughs> actually, the the past two were actually pretty good. I, pretty I enjoyed. Con- it. That was it was pretty uh, a little incorrect. <laughs> a little condescending. <laughs> uh, that's good. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Sip It and Rip It podcast. If you made it this far, uh, don't forget to rate us five stars if you haven't already on Spotify. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you want to see our ugly mugs while we talk about shit. Um, Apple Podcasts. All them things. At Nathan Skedios, at ZG underscore Somerset Journey. Or at Coleman underscore Barbell. It's fun. Or at Sip It and Rip It. Follow us on all those socials if you'd like. And uh, we'll see you next week when hopefully, as long as things go according to plan, we'll have Zach Marstiller on and we'll talk about some some of our favorite powerlifting uh, and some of his experiences. And are we talking about multiply? We are talking about multiply. <laughs> I love Zach Marstiller. That's all. <laughs> he's, he's, he is an awesome dude, and uh, we're gonna we're actually gonna train with him. It'll be real fun. So. He's really fucking strong. He's stronger than me. I don't know if he's stronger than Nathan anymore, but he's stronger than me. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll train with him on Sunday. We'll find out. Awesome, dude. I wonder if we can get Austin to to train with us on Sunday. Does he train on Sundays? If he did, it would be a bench press day for him because I do his programming. I know. He'd do his Monday workout probably with us. That'd be fine because I'd be benching too. benching too, too, yeah. That's just pretty much me. Me and Zach's the only one doing exclusively lower, aren't we? Well, I, I'll be squatting and benching and accessory work. He's doing de- he's doing deadlifts for sure. He's right? doing deadlifts for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah, not that you guys need to know that. But we, we might <laughs> we might have wanted to discuss it. You got to, you got to hear us discuss it. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess you. that's it. <laughs>